as we continue in our practice, we begin to see more and more clearly that the art of being present is not simply a function of paying attention to our experience, but being aware of how we are paying attention, what qualities are infusing the attention we are bringing. And initially we give emphasis to the, to the quality of collectedness, of steadiness. And we cultivate and develop this by again and again bringing our attention to and steadying our attention on the simple experience of the body, sitting, standing or walking, the body breathing as we practice in the sitting posture. And letting that be a central reference and that gathering and collecting and coming back strengthens the capacity of the attention to be directed and sustained in contact with experience. And in this, the mind starts to settle. But equally as we're doing this, we're also being asked to bring a quality of kindness to this encounter. And there is a kindness that's implicit in the simple willingness to meet our experience as it is. If we think of what we might wish for as human beings, to be met as we are, to be connected with without being demanded to be different than what we find ourselves to be. And this is a an offering we can extend to our experience and, and therefore, in fact, to ourselves. When we reject our experience, at some level, we reject ourselves. And we feel that, even if we don't realize that's what's going on. When someone else or ourselves tells us we need to be other than as we are, we feel somehow that how and who and what I am is not okay. And that generates this profoundly painful and distressing pressure to somehow fix or improve or perfect myself or my experience. So that the openness that allows us to say, even to those things we don't find easy or particularly welcome or wanted, but ah, okay, this is what's here. This is what's here. And I'm willing to meet it here. That doesn't mean I'm always going to wrap my arms around it and give it a big hug, because sometimes I feel like I need a little distance. That's okay. But I'm still here to meet what comes. And this quality of kindness is expressed in a, also a, a self-forgiveness for our limited capacity to do what we're endeavouring to do. Even our capacity to welcome experience. Can we forgive ourselves for the times we say, no, I don't want it. I don't like it. I won't have it. Because we will. So why not include that too? And from that place where we turn towards what's happening, we can gently allow ourselves to come closer and see what feels okay. 
Sometimes it's wise, as I said, to give experiences space. And with experiences that are particularly difficult or challenging, sometimes we need to give them a lot of space. But the difference is if we stay facing towards them and back off. Or if we turn away from them and no longer include them in the field of our attention. And so sometimes with strong and difficult experiences that may arise, and we may wish to just take a moment to sense and feel them in the body, as I've suggested, the tendency can be to go in, to get close, to want to somehow work on or fix, coming out of that kind of it's not okay agenda. But here much more the question of, of it's what's helpful here, and often what's helpful is to give it space even to give our whole body space. So as we practice, we may feel the space around the body, even as we're breathing, as I've suggested. Sometimes this can be really helpful. But always to see what's actually helpful, what's actually useful, or simply what happens if I practice like this, or like this. And giving a little time and space to see what is helpful. And bringing again and again understanding and forgiveness to ourselves for our own limitations in the ability to do what is suggested or invited by the practice. We're all learning, developing and growing together here. And we can make allowance for that wherever we are in that journey. And it's so helpful when we can do that. And so this practice, as I've said, I think, there's this question of how we pay attention and there's the question of what we pay attention to. And these are the two fundamental elements that shape our world and our experience. They don't control it, but they shape how we are affected by it and how we affect it, what we pay attention to and how we pay attention. So the, the quality of kindness is part of the how. Can I pay attention with a softness, with an acceptance, with an allowing, with an acknowledging that sometimes are not things, experiences are not easy, not as I wish, but that's not somehow on me. That's how it is for us all. And so kindness. But in terms of what we pay attention to, also in this process of training, as I said, the initial emphasis with the, the body, the body posture, but also the primary body activity, which in the sitting is breathing, and the walking is moving back and forth. And in standing, it's the quality of uprightness. That's the primary thing going on. And we might think it's not an activity, but as soon as your body stops engaging and being upright when you're standing, you won't be upright anymore. And so that's actually what it's doing in the standing. And so it's the simple immediate experience we're interested in as the basis for grounding and connecting, steadying, stabilizing and gathering this 
faculty of attention. And as we become more able to connect and sustain our attention, to come back more easily, more fluidly, with less friction or resistance perhaps sometimes in that process, we just notice where we are and, okay, here I am, and we return. Rather, oh, what happened there? Why did that happen? Uh, uh, uh. We just come back. And if we notice we get grumbling about the fact that we got lost, oh, okay, grumbling, okay, there's, oh, look, there's that expectation on myself that's unrealistic, that I could be perfect here. Oh, okay. And hold that with kindness too. Come back. But it does develop. And as this capacity develops, we can start to usefully include more and more of our experience as fields of exploration that we direct our attention to. Rather than just noticing when they come, because things keep coming, no doubt. But we turn our attention to, just as we've initially turned to the breath and the body. And today, the invitation and the instruction in in that realm is in, in two aspects. One is quite simple, hearing. When sounds arise, just pause and listen, as we've done with the bell on occasion. And the sounds of birds, or the hum of the amplification system in the speakers, the central heating, the water in the pipes, sound of this voice, just noticing what it's like to hear a sound, receive it, as we have received the breath, with simple open attention. Sounds come and go. We don't need to figure them out or even know where they come from. But we can just notice them. And sometimes that's really helpful to just turn one's attention to the whole field of hearing. If things feel tight or compressed or if we're struggling to connect with the breathing and the body, sometimes just taking a moment to listen and hear whatever we hear. The sounds, somebody moving, sort of a vague vibration that I'm not quite sure what it is, but also the silence in which they are revealed. And there's a sense of openness and spaciousness if we just tune into hearing. Hearing has a kind of 360 degree quality to it. It's not coming from somewhere. It's coming from everywhere, sound and silence. And sometimes it helps us find a sense of spaciousness and openness in our practice. And if you find it useful, at times you might just like to rest with the listening. Just as I invited yesterday, that you could sometimes just rest at the end of the out-breath. Just waiting to see what happens before the next in-breath comes in. And with that, in the hearing, we can listen with our whole body. It's interesting, the sensitivity of our whole body is engaged in listening, so that we're grounded. We're not somehow disconnecting and going out into the space of hearing, somehow leaving where we are. 
but being right here. As a sound comes, and equally just here is the silence. returns or reveals that in fact it enfolds all sounds. Silence does not go anywhere when the sound arises. And we could perhaps say that sound is just silence with form. In the same way that shapes are simply white light differentiated into colour. But we don't need to think about that too much. Just noticing what's useful in attending to sound and tuning into the field of hearing and the experience of mindful, sensitive listening. And what we can also pay attention to usefully and importantly is the the field of experience the Buddha called Vedana, which is often translated as feeling tone, which is a little confusing because we think of or, or feelings. Feelings are sometimes we think of as emotion, and it's it's not about emotion as such. The better translation, less common, I think, is hedonic tone. Sounds like a big complicated word, but hedonic is to do with pleasure degree of pleasurability. And all experiences, this is something the Buddha pointed out, are either pleasant or unpleasant, or neither pleasant or unpleasant. And you can see that that catches everything. It's either this or it's that, and if it isn't this or that, it's the third one. All experiences have this quality. Every sight, smell, taste, touch, feeling and thought and image we've ever experienced has that character. Mostly we're not aware of it. We like the pleasant ones, we want more of them, we crave for them, we grasp after them, we try and repeat them. Mostly we just don't like the unpleasant ones, we try and get rid of them, we try and stop them happening, we try and make them go away. And with the neutral ones, the ones that are neither pleasant or unpleasant, mostly we just ignore them, because they're not doing anything to us, And they're not doing anything for us. So why would I bother paying attention? At a biological survival level, all this makes incredibly good sense. But for human happiness, well-being and fulfillment, it produces tragic consequences. Because we unconsciously get locked into these patterns of rejection or grasping after or simply disconnecting from experience because it's neither pleasant nor unpleasant. And so here as we notice that, paying attention to this, oh, there's a breath. Oh, there's something pleasant about it. Oh, that's why I enjoy being with the breathing. It's pleasurable sometimes. Or maybe it feels tight and raspy and it's not pleasant and I don't want to feel it. And that's why I'm trying to get myself to breathe in a smooth way, which I can't do. And then I'm struggling with that. Oh, oh, if I just notice, oh, my breath feels unpleasant right now. Huh. It's not because you're doing it wrong. Maybe, like myself, you've had a cold recently. Or still have one. Or or there's some tension in your body. 
And it doesn't feel smooth or easeful in the breathing. But just noticing it's unpleasant allows us to start to find some space with the habitual reaction. Born of aversion. Or born of craving to the unpleasant or the pleasant. And also helps us to notice what happens in the neither pleasant nor unpleasant, sometimes translated as neutral. Because what happens is we just somehow bounce off it. We don't connect with it. And so much of our experience is actually neutral. Neither pleasant nor unpleasant. (coughs) Either because actually it has no resonant significance for us or because we're not sensitive enough to it to really feel how it touches us. But it doesn't matter what it is in a particular circle. If it's neither pleasant or unpleasant, we tend to go looking either for something to entertain me or a problem to fix. And this is where we find ourselves in our minds much of the time, looking for something that's going to be good or looking so I can have some of it, looking for something that's going to be bad so I can try and get less of it. It's not an accident that our mind does this because we're not aware of our relationship to this element of experience. And so becoming aware of it is so helpful. You know, when we say pain, I don't like it. It goes together. But it's like, oh, oh, actually there's a sensation that's really hot or sharp or intense. Huh, and it's unpleasant. And I don't like it, of course. But that doesn't mean I have to make it go away. I might need to change my posture. I might need to see the doctor. But maybe it's just, huh, an experience. Or there might be, as we're walking, we feel the sun on our skin. And we don't notice it. I've done it before where I was walking from a place of sunshine into shadow. And then the sun is moving. And I started to find myself walking a shorter and shorter path to stay in the sunny bit. And just remember it, realize, oh, it's pleasant. I like it. And then I can choose. Do I want to have my walking path limited by how much sunshine is on it? Or do I want to be free to continue walking and not stop to try and maximize the pleasant sensation on the skin? Small things, but significant. Because this is the foundation for discovering a more free way of being in the world where we are not conditioned by what is pleasant and unpleasant unconsciously. Where we can actually choose, of course, some things that are pleasant are good for us. Yeah. A piece of fruit, lovely. A piece of chocolate, one or two maybe. A whole bar, Mm, not really. But we... If we start to practice, and food is a great place to do this, in the meantime, noticing what's pleasant, noticing if something isn't. With sounds, they're really interesting. Oh, what's pleasurable? I find the sound of the bell sometimes really pleasurable. I really enjoy it. But actually, the one that rings at 6.30 doesn't sound quite as nice as the one that rings at 12.30 announcing lunch. And I don't think it's to do with the bell ringer. It's, there's an, oh, it's not the sound. It's the association I have for the sound that says, oh, I've got to get up. Or, oh, I get lunch now. Great. 
And say, oh, it's not just the sound, it's the association. So we start to notice this. And we feel how our system responds. Again, we don't need to judge it, we don't need to stop it from responding, but we can look and see where do I want to enact those urges and where do I want to contain them. And what's really interesting, and one of the Buddha's observations that I find remarkably precise and profound, he, the Buddha spoke about the neither pleasant or unpleasant, and he said, when we don't pay attention to the experience that's neither pleasant nor unpleasant or neutral, it becomes unpleasant. Really interesting. Think about boredom. What is boredom? It's when there's nothing that's entertaining me and I don't have any problems to deal with. It's a neutral experience. But the tendency is to disconnect from it. And that disconnectedness is really unpleasant. And we call it boredom. That's what boredom is. It's when we're disconnecting from something that is neutral. And we feel bored. And boredom is unpleasant. We know that. We try and avoid it at all costs. The Buddha also went on to say, when we pay attention to the neutral, it becomes pleasurable. Interesting. Have you noticed that those things that we call taking a step or taking a breath, when we begin, they often just don't feel like much at all. They're often quite neutral for us. That's why we choose them, so they're not charged with too much weight as base, as sort of primary objects for attention. But as we start to be able to really attend, as we learn to really stay in close to them, sometimes taking a step can be exquisitely pleasurable. Or we can just drink in that flow of sensations we call a breath and love it. And even get attached to it and want to have some more of those, please. But that's okay. We can see that. It's like, oh, the... And what it's saying is, because the experience hasn't changed, the unpleasant, sorry, the neutral hasn't become unpleasant, it's that the quality of connection with it, or absence of connection with it, is what's pleasant or unpleasant. The deeper qualitative element for us, and this is critical, in a pleasant, quote, pleasant experience, is that because it's pleasant, we connect with it. And it's the connection we're actually enjoying more than the thing. The presence, the sensitivity. And the deeper distress in the unpleasant is not that it's unpleasant. It's that somehow we feel we have to disconnect from it. And it's the disconnection we suffer from. Which is why a neutral experience changes according to whether we connect with it or disconnect from it. And so what we're actually cultivating here, strangely, because we're not chasing after what's pleasant or trying to avoid the unpleasant, but actually we are inviting more of what it is that we're really looking for in our engagement with experience. And all of that is, you know, something that may or may not resonate for you. But just notice what happens when you are present with and discern the quality of pleasant or unpleasant or neither in an experience. You don't have to do that with every experience. Just now and then, notice. 
if that stands out for you, and continue in your practice as we have been. Continuing to use your body as the primary foundation, as the ground and in a way as the refuge to which we can return amidst the sometimes stormy seas of experience. This willingness to, to root ourselves in the present moment, to open to the experience that is here, gives us some ground A little like the keel of a boat that sticks out deep into the water and stabilizes it in the wind and the waves. The sense of contact with earth and grounding deeply into the earth, this body sitting. But also expanding upright, open into the sky, the space around us. The invitation to rise up and expand into what is possible for us as human beings who are alive and have this capacity for being awake. And at the same time relaxing because there's nowhere else we need to get. Nothing else that needs to be happening. The raw material is all here. And the natural human potential for organically waking up, deepening in wisdom and compassion. This is here too. Even if we may not recognize it as such. Continuing to practice, moment by moment. Just one experience at a time. Including sounds and sometimes turning your attention to the feeling hedonic tone, pleasantness unpleasantness or the absence of that. And if it seems a bit complicated, keep it simple. Just come back to your body and your breathing. Abiding, wakeful, conscious and present just as you are.
Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.